Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley, and I'm here after the Illini's victory over Minnesota tonight, 78 to 69. We're going to have Brad Sturdy and Kedrick Prince on. Brad Sturdy is a fellow Illini guy like myself, and Kedrick Prince is the Illini guy's director of recruiting. So you may know uh, Brad from his takeaways column or his 30 for Sturdy for 30 podcast, and Ked from his all the recruiting articles for football and basketball, and of course, his uh, Keds Recruiting Roundup podcast. And of course, if you do enjoy Eye on the Illini, please go to the IlliniGuys.com, register for our website. It's $99 a year. You get all the insider information, and we have uh, forums and message boards that will give you that information, things that we can't necessarily break as stories because sources will not be uh, put on the record but we can give you rumors innuendos and generally maybe stay ahead of what's going on in the headlines so you're not surprised by anything but let's get to cat as he's standing by right now at busey wealth management we're proud to partner with individuals families and foundations ensuring possibilities become achievements from preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. So, Ked, um, it was quite a game tonight. Illinois led um, and, and really, you know, was kind of in control in the driver's seat most of the game. Um, what were your initial thoughts uh, looking at the game? What jumped out at you that fans might be interested in? Well, I mean, they have five guys in double figures. I mean, that's let's start with that. I, I you know, it's been a long time since they've seen that. Um, area of concern for me, I mean, I don't want to just jump right into the negativity part, was that if you look at the game from Missouri and Pickett, and Trace Jackson Davis, and I'm missing somebody, but Jameson Battle had 31 points tonight. I'm just struggling with how they're letting guys just put up so many big numbers against them. I mean, that's it's a huge concern for me um, because when a guy gets going, I mean, like I was being sarcastic a couple of weeks ago thinking, hey, you know, everybody has a career day against Illinois, but they, they're they dodging bullets, and I just, I'm not a fan of that part of it, but it was good to see RJ come out and, Probably the thing that, I mean, other than the fact that seeing RJ smile, I mean, I have to give the fans and the coaches and the kids credit. They are really pulling for that kid. Everybody knows how good he is, and you saw his athleticism tonight. But just watching them cheer for him, and I just thought that was great. I mean, it's good for him. I mean, we look at a lot of things on sports, Mike, and, you know, and obviously there's, this is all, in my opinion, it's all mental with him and seeing him smile. And it was just good. It was good for Illinois basketball, considering two straight losses. You know, maybe you get him back and get him going just a little bit. I mean, he may not shoot it the way he did early on, but he can get you some layups like that and get Luke Goody going. I mean, it gives you another added dimension that they haven't had in, in recent weeks. Yeah, I, I thought a couple things uh, were big to me. One was when Epps starts hitting um, three-pointers, uh, like he did today, four for six. This team is a different team. And I also thought their three-point shooting 
was much more effective until both Hawkins and Meyer kind of had their heat check time there in the second half. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, you take off, let's say, three or four, you know, take off three of those three-pointers and they're 10 for 23, you know, which, which you know, starts you get you at a percentage you're starting to feel a little bit more excited about. And right. if, they can if they can just figure out how to get two or three of those, what what a lot of folks don't think about is when you go down and you shoot a three that you're contested or you're 30 feet from the basket and having a hard time get it, getting it there, or you shoot it with nobody around at all to rebound, you really are essentially turning the ball over if you don't make it. And three right. possessions like that really could – you could almost call them turnovers. And the Illini did a nice job tonight. They had they only had eight possessions – excuse me, eight turnovers. And in a game like this, um, you know, eight turnovers is pretty good. Uh, there were 63 possessions. So, it, you know, it's, it's not a perfect time, but but it's much lower than – um, some of the the percentages that we've seen out of the team, um, you know, earlier in the season, where literally twenty five percent of your possessions were turnovers. So I thought I thought those were good things. I really was frustrated with, um, you know, the, uh, Ty Rogers had a couple fouls that just weren't very smart. Um, no, and I, I think he even got lucky on a foul that either got called by uh, on uh, Epps or Melendez when he pushed a guy in the back on a fast break. Um, Correct. And so, um, you know, he didn't score tonight. Um, and and I think, you know, you'd like to see him stay out of uh, foul trouble, uh, even though he did end up with four rebounds. He had four rebounds, four fouls in just 17 minutes, and I'd like to see him play a little more. Yeah, you know, his fouls, like he kind of reverted back to what he did early on couple of silly reach files, which I really didn't like, but I'm going to go back to your Jay Neff's comment. I mean, if he's making shots like that, you're right. He's a tough guard because, you know, I mean, meaning that it's tough for the defender because, yep. you know, he can get to the rack easily and now then you have to honor the three. I mean, um, but I just, I liked, I've always said all season, it was good to hear Butch mention it tonight, you know, the, the, um, the color guy on the network talks about Illinois shooting bad threes. I've said that all year long, I mean, on these podcasts, and you kind of agree with me. You know, I, they, they're not a great shooting team, and anybody who thinks they are, they're kidding themselves. But what I don't want to see them do is just start chucking up those shots. Like, they had a 16-point lead, and then it's like, okay, so now it's time to get mine. And I I didn't like that, but you know what? It's – Brad lets him shoot it. I mean, he sometimes he doesn't seem to be upset with him. Maybe if it's in late game situations, but you know, he's a, like I tweeted earlier. He's a player's coach, and you know, you, I guess if you're a player, I would like to. I would like to play for the guy because he doesn't say anything, even if you're not making them. But you know, then you look at Coleman Hawkins. I mean, he's kind of shot his way out of this slump. So, but you know, overall though, like you said, I mean, this the turnovers is a, is a big key, something that we don't talk a lot about, and we should because when there's 25 of them, you know, at least I'll say I am one of the first ones to, to be negative about it. They've cleaned up a lot of those things, um, in, in my opinion. And, and that's why they're in games. Even though they lost to Indiana, nobody wants to pat me on the back wins. 
you know, I thought they played one of their better games. On the road in that environment, you know, tonight they knew Minnesota was bad. I mean, and they are a bad team. And I guarantee you Thursday won't be like that. No, um, Thursday, you know, those uh, turnovers will, you know, the possessions without a turnover are like gold. Now, the good thing was, is you know, against Indiana, who's got a much better defense than Minnesota, Illinois had their turnovers low as well with only 11. So, you know, I feel like they're they're making some strides there. Um, I I really thought Coleman Hawkins tonight, again, aside from a couple threes, um, I thought he played a really good game. And I do I do like it when he's a little more aggressive with yep. the uh, basketball like that. And and he had a, a Euro step over the top of the head of the defender that Dwayne Wade would have to be proud of. Oh, yeah. I, I remember that play. He's really starting to, Mike, to blossom into the player that Underwood has been talking to us about for so long. I mean, I'm watching the game, and it's like, finally, you can kind of see it. He's developing a, a, a little nice spin move, a, a little hook shot that's kind of his go-to move, and I like that. He's not after you know the Northwestern game. I've only think I think I've only seen him pump fake on the three twice since then. So he's really cleaned up his game. Um, he looks different. He looks the part. He's not a guy. I think if he had to come out and just you know launch a you know launch a bunch of shots, he might be a 15, 20 point guy. But that's just not his game. The way he rebounds, and my favorite thing about him, honestly, is watching him get a rebound and and run a fast break. Because very few guys, he doesn't turn it over in, in in full court, you know, hell in the basketball. So that's going to be a tough matchup for a lot of people just in the tournament moving forward. I just, I want Illinois to win. I mean, and Illinois still has a chance, men and women both. I mean, they need some help. And it's not a lot of help. They can still finish in the top four. They just need to take care of business. Because what some people forget is that these teams, a lot of these teams have to play each other still. So it's, it's, it's not over. I mean, they just can't make any – Mistakes in the game. I think that I mean I know I'm not counting my eggs for the hatch. You want to win every game, but the trap game that's left on the schedule is Ohio State. You know because that's a game that you should win, but they have an awful lot of talent. So they have got so a ton. Yeah, they've got a ton of talent, and that's what really um, scared me was uh, that team on the schedule because. You know, as you as you probably remember, I've been I thought they were going to finish much higher than they have this year. I've been proven mm-hmm. incredibly wrong, and my fear is, is they're going to get their crap together for one game and play like that what I thought they would, and that'll be against Illinois. Oh, well, like I just said to you earlier, everybody seems to have a career night. So I mean, we might. I mean, I guess what we should do, you know. We're, you know, we just started last week, you know, with the line I got player of the game. So maybe we should do a pre-play of the game because somebody's going to have a career tonight, it seems. And so we're just going to pick who that person is. So Yeah, I don't want to see Sensabaugh go for 40. No, you know? I don't either. Because that kid, oh, my goodness, what a player. Um, you know, as you look at it, I think, you know, you kind of mentioned it, but um, one of the uh, Alina Guy staff reporter, Matt Stevens, just talked about, um, RJ is being uh, interviewed by WDWS, and he and Matt noted that RJ had the biggest smile that he's seen in a year. Um, as 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 RJ was talking to um, 
Brian Barnhart. So that that's got to be a great time. I know you were the the first guy last year who jumped on the uh, uh, R.J. Melendez bandwagon. This was the type of game that you've been talking about, and it was nice to see him have it. You know it was, and I'm gonna tell you what. Um, I had a text message. Um, from Jeremy Fears, whose son is going to Michigan State, um, but he has another son, Jeremiah, who's being recruited by Illinois. Um, he texted me during the game and, and made a comment that he was happy to see him because he his comment was, I don't know, the kid had that much athleticism. And he really does. And I don't regret anything that I say because I don't think I'm wrong and I don't think Brad is wrong. I just think he just had a – he had one of those years where things just didn't go right, but you could see the talent. I mean, and even though the shots didn't fall, you know, didn't fall, I mean, everybody's going to, you know, make a comment about the one defensive mistake against Penn State, but he has been very, very solid on the defensive end of the floor. He didn't let that part of his game, his offensive game, affect his defense, uh, his defensive performance. So I like, you know, what he has to offer. Um, the shot that he, you know, he when he shot it, like we've all said, you just got to shoot it and not think about it. But when you're missing like that, you're, you know, you're playing in front of 16,000 people, you know, the pressure's on. I did like hearing this because I totally believe this. And I know a lot of fans didn't like hearing it, and it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. I did. I was really, really glad to hear Coach Underwood say tonight in this post game interview that. They made the right plays. Matthew was double teamed. He kicked the ball out to the right guy, and the shot looked good. It just didn't go in. I have to applaud Brad Underwood. I mean, whenever people are looking for flaws because they're kind of comfortable, but let's give the guy some credit. I mean, he could have started, you know, um, Ty Rogers tonight or Luke Goody tonight, and he's really trying to show RJ that he has faith in him because when he missed that shot against Indiana, Brad was the first guy to give him a hug. When uh, he threw a horrible lob pass tonight, pass tonight to uh, Dane Danger, you can see those players every time they are trying to applaud him, shake his hand. That's what a team is about. I mean, if you really want to be a part of a team and know what it's about, you you see that. And tonight, you really see a group of guys pulling for each other. I thought that was very very classy on all parts, coaches, everybody. The player, you know, the player of the game. It could have went to Matthew Meyer. It could have went to Jay Nepps. But I'm glad that he was interviewed after the game, and I'm glad that we as a staff all voted for R.J. as well. Yeah, well, you know, and and I will say one thing about R.J. is when he missed that three-point shot, and I don't know if people have seen that that shot. First off, it actually looked good. good. It just didn't go in. Um, a couple of his threes, you know, the me- immediately when he's shooting it, you can tell they're not going to go in. That was not the case against Indiana. But if you notice within a second of the shot missing, Matt Meyer was hugging him. And to me, that showed that Matt Meyer, you know, for all the things how people say he's a little quirky, um, that showed me that he understands leadership and he understands being a good teammate. And I thought that was a key moment. And I think maybe that, that hug at the end of that game maybe it was part of the reason why this game could happen. It did. And you know what? We've all talked about, you know, get a free throw to go down, you know, or to get a layup. I'll tell you something else that I didn't mention in, in, in that last segment. How about Brad Underwood on the technical foul, letting him shoot the free throws? And when he shot him, he looked at Brad. He missed one and made one. He pointed at Coach Underwood. They get it. 
this is the part where, like, me, you know, being able to be around the staff a little bit and talk to the guys, they're guys who are very good at their jobs, but they're human beings. At the end of the day, they care about these kids. You, you go in the homes of these kids and you try to get their parents to understand that you're going to take care of their kid when they leave and, and everything, and then you saw that tonight. I mean, everybody in the world knows, and even the student section. If you go back and if you look at the game, if anybody – if you record the game, watch the student section. They're, they're all engaged. They knew that he had been struggling. So I just I'm, – I'm glad for him. But I'm also – I just – I want to see it continue to go forward. I, I don't want to see it to be one game, you know, then, you know, it goes back. And even if he doesn't, you know, score 10 points, I like to see him, you know, if he gets a three or get a couple layups and gets the rim, gets a free throw line, still defend and rebound because he's going to get his opportunity. He is Underwood has played him all season. I mean, he's had his chances, so and he's not giving up on him. And he's finding minutes for everybody, so he's doing a good job with that as well. Yeah. Now there was one stat, and and I don't know if a lot of people would pay much attention to this, and and it's not a stat that I guess I, I would love to go back and um, take a look at this, but sincere Harris had one point tonight. That was the only point on either team scored by someone off the bench. So this 78 to 69 final score, every point in that final score, except for one, were scored by the five starters on either team. Well, Mateo, that's a big stat. I don't want to give the wrong number because I don't want to do that so people call me out on it. But I saw a stat tonight, the last game, I think in Minnesota, I think Illinois' bench scored the 30 points. I don't remember who it was. So that's a big stat to look at because you didn't get a lot of point production from, you know, from your bench. So from either guy, from either team. Yeah, I don't know if I remember. I don't even know if I remember a game that you had double goose eggs, you know. And, I mean, obviously this time Sincere got the free throw down. But holy cow was that – that was just something else, you know. Yeah, the last it game, you're, twenty-seven points oh, is what the Illini bench scored last time up in Minnesota, and Minnesota's bench had thirteen. So you're talking, you know, forty points there by the benches reduced all the way down to one. Yeah, and you know, usually you'll get a little something from Ty Rogers, but he got always foul trouble, and once he got a second foul. Because he's kind of young, I thought. Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's gonna have, be have the same effect that he's had, you know, at Penn State and in the first half against Indiana, and he didn't have that. But moving forward, they're gonna need him. And I mean, the one thing that I'm really happy about that we just talked about is the lack of turnovers that they're having. Because to me, I think the reason Northwestern's winning. I don't I'm not gonna use any numbers. This is just gonna be my basketball. I'm trusting my basketball eye and my talent. I think defensively, the way they defend and how tough they make for you to run your offense and you know, like here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize and I was always taught this, you know, if you push a guy, a lot of people, old school people say push left, push left. I'm a firm believer and so is Chris Collins because I've seen him do it. I watched him play you know, um, the last couple of games, they push the defender for the sideline, which makes it tough for you to run your offense. And so I'm saying this because I think they are the best defensive team in the Big Ten. They 
defend so well. And, you know, one of those guys would probably be Big Ten player of the year defensively. You know, you can take your pick, you know, but if you throw sloppy passes, I know Jaden has done it a few times and Matthew Myers, they really play up the line and they defend. You throw those passes against them, um, it's going to be a long day. They have to – that's one thing that they cannot do is turn that ball over against them because they really do a good job do a good job of even helping defense. So that's going to be good Not that they haven't done. I think uh, – was it Indiana? I don't think they had 10 turnovers, 11 turnovers that game either. They had um, 11. They've done a good job. 11, okay. So – and that's good. Yeah, this is, this is definitely a change. Um, and, you know, if, if they can maintain the lack of turnovers – and then double that up with, you know, uh, accuracy from three, which will include less heat checks. Um, I think you'll you'll see this team elevate itself a little bit. Um, Northwestern's coming up, um, and that one, of course, is on Thursday night, February 23rd, 8 p.m. at the State Farm Center. And it'll be on Big Ten Network. And that will be a huge game because Illinois really needs to, you know, they need to try to go four and one or, you know, even pull the big upset at Purdue, go five and oh. And, um, you know, that you can only get there by by taking them one win at a time. But this Northwestern team has been continually underrated by the league, um, just about every team. And that leads to them having the opportunity um, you know, to, to finish behind Purdue. And if Purdue stumbles a little bit, can you imagine the craziness if we had a Northwestern uh, winning the Big Ten during the regular season? I'm not certain emotionally well, how I would handle that. Well, one, that's <coughs> awful. If you're an Illinois fan, that would definitely be awful. I mean, because no one wants to see that. I know I definitely don't want to see that. I'm really sorry, but – um, I just – and, I, you know, I would never say never. The only thing about, you know, I, winning at Purdue is possible. But when it's senior night, those are tough. I mean, that's when teams find a way to win, you know. So, but, again, you got to take one game at a time. I think tonight, going back to tonight, was good because this is really unprofessional for me to say, but it was kind of like a practice game, a tune-up game. You know, Minnesota's the worst team in the league, so I can't feel bad for that record-wise for saying that. But Illinois needed a game like this. But what I want to see them do is to put teams away. That man, I just don't know if it's in their DNA. I really don't. You get a team down, just sixteen point lead, put your throat on them, and just bury them. Learn how to do that. Yeah, they need to watch Seth Rollins in the WWE when he does his uh, final move, which is a curb stomp, and uh, that's something that we really need to develop for this Illini team. So Brad Sturdy's just joined us, Brad. Um, you know, it was a game that Illinois controlled throughout the game. I'm not certain there was ever a real moment of, oh, my gosh, you know, North uh, Minnesota's going to beat us. What were your thoughts of the game overall, just uh, on the surface? Uh, methodical. It was just kind of a game where they did what they had to do. Um, they, you know, they won the game, obviously, which is, you know, good, but uh, – I didn't think maybe they – I didn't think they played bad. I didn't think they played great. I thought they played pretty hard at times. Um, but, you know, you kind of look at this. This is, about, this is the game I expected. I mean, I thought they'd win by 15 instead of 9. But the, the way the game played out was almost exactly as I predicted and, and thought it would, and, and it, it, it did. Um, the one thing is, you know, the, 
25 points. It, it just really is in college basketball, unless you have a really kind of game. And, and But the reality is in this game, they make a few more free throws, and they probably do win by 20-plus because then they're not pressing at the end and getting a few steals. I mean, you're up yeah. by 20, 20, 22, 23, or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just hard to win games like that. And, um, you know, I, I, I was content with the way they played. I thought Matthew Meyer was good. I thought Epps was great. R.J. Melendez, great to see him, um, you know, becoming a, the player that we thought we were going to get at the beginning of the year uh, consistently. And then Coleman Hawkins was really good. It, it's crazy, though. It's also hard to pull away from teams when you don't get any – you have no bench scoring. Sincere Harris' free throw was the only bench points for either team. He made we, a free throw. When, we talked about that. Crazy. We talked about that, Brad. So, in my book, Illinois dominated the bench scoring one yeah, to nothing. It was like infinity. They won by infinity. So, um, you know, so it's crazy. I, yeah, I, I, and I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen that in a high major college basketball game in the past, you know, um, you know, in a lot of years. So, <laughs> but overall, good, uh, good win. Good chance to do. I, I thought it was interesting. Grant Underwood said, you know, this is a game that doesn't help you, like as an Illinois. I mean, you get a win on the resume. It's a quad four win. It doesn't really matter. Um, and you're, you're, the only thing you have is a chance to lose. Um, yep. But the, they got the job done, did what they needed to do. Now, like you mentioned, though, they, they should have been resting. They were supposed to be Saturday, Thursday for this. Yep. And then they would have had some rest. They got two guys with strip throat and a guy with a concussion, and here they are playing games instead of taking a day off. And, you know, I think they're probably going to have to – I think they're probably going to end up taking tomorrow off. Um at least make, you know, optional stuff and, and let guys come in, but just to, to let them rest. I think they need that. And um, I do expect to see Terrence Shannon in uniform on Thursday, which is a huge, uh, you know, that's a huge deal. Uh, that getting him back really helps. And now you've got maybe some depth. You, got, you could go nine guys. Well, the other and, thing, uh, the other thing I thought, the other thing I thought was, was interesting is just, is just watching, um, you know, the, the, the way RJ played tonight and we were talking about, you know, how Matt Meyer gave him that hug right after missing the shot at Indiana and the team responded well by not, you know, throwing him under the bus, which maybe shows a little bit more leadership and a little bit more tighter knit team than many on the outside would like to say this team really is. Yeah, I think a lot of the stuff, the you know, locker room problems were overblown. I think when you lose, you tend to have – you struggle, you're early, you got a lot of new guys. Um, you, you think about this team, I mean, it's all new guys. You, and, and you have 23-year-olds mixing with 18-year-olds. And it's just a – it's a different – it's just – it's odd right now in college basketball. So I don't know that there's a – I think sometimes we overblow the chemistry. We get so many sound bites from these guys. And they're kids who aren't used to – none of these guys – were media savvy coming into this year. Coleman probably had the most media time. None of them were media savvy, you know, because Meyer and Shannon didn't get that much media work when they were at their other schools, and rarely were they the guys. So, and you got a bunch of freshmen. So they're going to say things that maybe are, you know, you get a guy, I remember, like, you know, go back in the day covering veteran guys. And even when things were going bad, they knew exactly what to say. And they're coached and they're taught, and, and, and that's, just a weird thing, I think sometimes, you know, but we, you know, it gets sensationalized a little bit in the media and, um, you know, makes too big a deal out of it. But 
that tonight you see actual evidence of a locker room that was very united. And, um, and you saw that with, uh, you know, Melendez and, and Meyer and, and Underwood mentioned it. And also you saw, you know, whatever, 14,000 people cheering when they saw him get that double-double. And that, that was awesome. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, there's a kid persevering, and everybody should be an R.J. Melendez fan. I mean, you should be excited for that kid to kind of bust through that, that uh, you know, that that door and, 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 you know, make that next step. And, you know, whether it's making threes or rebounding or tacking the rim and getting some dunks, I mean, it's great to see. Yeah, it was exciting. Um, you, you know, the other thing I, I think that was we were talking about is, is when Epps is shooting the threes at a, at a four for six clip, all of a sudden the defense has to take another step and a half out and his drives become much harder to deal with and the spacing on the court gets much more wide open for the Illini. Were you able to see that on the court tonight? Well, Minnesota, they play, uh, they, they go under screens and yep. then they, and that's what they play. They play. And then, and, you know, teams have started doing that with that because he went through a one for 20 stretch from three. And now I think I put it on my Twitter feed, even talking about a little bit about that, how they can't guard him that way. And then when he had, he had that shot, after he hit that one, uh, the two to start the second half, they changed the way they were defending him. They went over the top of those screens. And I think it does open up driving lanes. It does make, you know, they have to defend him differently. And, you know, that's important. Um, you know, it's important that he learns to, to read those things, understands when they go under, when they go over, when they're hedging, when they're whatever their you know, drop coverage, whatever it is. But, yeah, I, I think it was good. I, I thought he, him making that shot is is good because they need him to make shots. They need uh, Meyer to make shots. They need Melendez to make shots. They need, you know, Shannon to make shots. They need people to score on this team. And, and they don't – they're not a lot of guys. They're really only three guys that are wired to score. Like they're just scorers, and, and Epps is one of those three guys, and one of them wasn't playing tonight. So, right. um, you know, so that, that's basically, you know, that's the way this has to roll. And nobody needs him. They, they, they need Jaden Epps to score in double figures. They need Meyer to be aggressive on offense like he was uh, today. And he takes some uh, very questionable shots. Uh, there's no <laughs> question that Meyer, Meyer takes some questionable yep. shots that. But he's one of those guys that he's such a good, bad shot maker that sometimes you just let him go. And I think that's where Underwood kind of is with him. You know, he takes some bad shots, but at the same time, he, he makes a lot of bad shots too. So um, I, I think you're going to let him kind of roll with the, you know, somebody used to tell me, you let your thoroughbreds run, and, and he's definitely a thoroughbred. Well, I, I certainly think that if you're, if there's a wing or a guard out there who's a great outside shooter, who's thinking like, where do I go in the transfer portal that I can prove to everybody how good I am? I'm not certain there's a better coach for uh, a really good shooter than Brad Underwood because he's going to let you shoot and um, all you have to do is put the ball in the hole and play a little bit of defense and you're going to get an awful lot of minutes. Yeah, there's definitely going to be minutes to be had next year uh, on the wing. Uh, and they, they need guys who put the ball in the basket Guys, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting. Illinois got their, their three of their, you know, you got their, if you look at their five guys that scored today, you had three transfers and a freshman and, and then Colin Hawkins. 
and yeah. then you know, and then you know, since there's Harris had a point, so I guess you could say three transfers, two freshmen, you know, and then but even there you basically have Goody and Rogers off and Harris off the bench. They're all three essentially. I know Goody's a sophomore, but he hasn't played all year, so he's kind of more like freshman. So you basically yeah. have a bunch of freshmen and you know, three transfers and Colin Hawkins. And that's it. That's your team. Um, and so, you know, that that I think that that's something you, you kind of look at and say, you know, they could be, you know, they, they're going to be fine. Uh, they're going to have more, it, it's curious as it is, they'll have more continuity perhaps next year than they had this year um, coming back. So they're going to be active in the portal. They're going to get some good players. And it's going to be interesting to watch. Now, one, one, one comment as well I wanted to get your feedback on. I thought Coleman Hawkins tonight was was giving um, NBA scouts, you know, like the advanced look at just what they could get because here you've got a kid who's 6'10", 6'11". He demonstrated a good outside shot. He went to the hole. Euro stepped over somebody's head, um, you know, for, for, the, for the pounding dunk. Um, and, and you're going to get a kid that you can – now work 40 hours a week plus with to work on his game. Um, holy cow, if I was an NBA team watching what he did tonight, I would be really excited about, especially if I was down towards the bottom of the first round. You know, if I'm like a Boston Celtics, I could pick up a guy like that who's like a Swiss Army knife that you can mold into a heck of a player. Am I overstating that or um, what do you think, Brad? No, I, I think he really does fit. I, you know, then I looked at, but, but I also looked at tonight and said, so who's better, Bowman Hawkins or Dawson Garcia? I mean, that's an interesting, that's kind of an intriguing question. You know, they yeah. both do a lot of good things. One's more scoring oriented, obviously, with Garcia. Both, you know, 6'10 or 6, Bowman 6'10, he's 6'11. I think you got to, I think that that's an intriguing thing, but I think Hawkins has, the potential to really fit the NBA game. And I, I think Garcia does too. I think both those guys have a chance to play in the NBA because of their, their skill sets and because of their length, the things they can do. I think Hawkins is different though, because if you have a team of stars, like, and you mentioned the Celtics, it really does fit well with a team like that, where you have a guy like, you know, you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are your guys, right? Yep. And yep. so you need guys that, who don't care about how many shots they get. They're going to rebound, they're going to defend, and they're going to pass the ball to the guys that are good. And it's really score. You know, was perhaps the best score in the NBA right now, Jason Tatum. So this is, you know, that, yeah, he does fit in that kind of system. So, um, yeah, I, I think that if I'm looking at the bottom of the first round, early second round, I think he's the kind of guy who could fit because he, he, he is a guy who could be a, a good team guy. I, the one thing he's got to do, he's matured a lot. I think he's still got another little bit of growth to do. Um, that hopefully he'll do this year um, and, and when he heads into the professional ranks if he does choose to do that. Another thing that I, I, I like about my as I mentioned earlier, he's able to put the ball on the floor full court. You know, not that – you know, I've not seen, you know, Garcia do it, but Coleman has that part of his game that I think a lot of guys his size don't have – that they don't have. Yeah. You know, the other thing I was going to say between the two players, because I like uh, Dawson Garcia as well. I just think Coleman's foot speed um, and and his his quick twitch is just superior 
Although, you know, like I said, you, you, these guys get a chance to work out and have personal trainers and, and all that. And, um, you know, you never know, but boy, I, I think Coleman Hawkins in two years could be a guy that people are going to wonder how the heck did he go that low? Um, you know, as, as he gets to work on basketball full time. Um, yeah. One, one final thing, Brad, as we kind of get towards the wrap here, but do you have any final thoughts on this game um, before we talk about Thursday night's battle with, my God, number two in the Big Ten Northwestern? I, I think this game was just a game they had to get through, uh, and they got through it. Uh, you, you got through it. Nobody got hurt, although Dane did take a hard fall. Hopefully he's okay because that's one – you know, if there's a position that they can't afford to lose somebody at, it, it is that position. Um, you know, losing Terrence, you, you notice it, but at the same time they have guys like – that are pretty good coming in off the bench, whether it's Ty Rogers or RJ or Luke down back. So you have some guys who can do something. They lose Dane, and they really don't have anybody who's a low post guy now. So hopefully he's okay. He seemed fine post game. He seemed fine when he went back in. He stepped up and made the two free throws. That's good. So he stayed healthy. Um, get ready for the next one. And you know that's all this was. This was like a game where you you just had to win and move on. And I would have liked to win by double figures, but evidently their goal is to win every game by nine points this year. So. <laughs> That was that was Cad and I both. We're trying to, we were almost like joking about what's going to happen. I guess it's better than most games, but what's going to happen when they get up by sixteen points, and then what, what weird is going to happen that's going to help turn it back around where they can control where Minnesota can how make many, it a little closer. How many spots in the net are they higher? You know, I thought the Michigan State game was actually a close game that ended up nine win, kind of went the other way. But every other nine-point win they've had has been – they've had a 15-point win and somebody – or whatever, and somebody's chucking in a couple of Hail Mary threes at the end, whether it's Jackie Hepburn or, you know, uh, tonight it was uh, Jameson Battle or, you know, the kid on Ohio State threw in. I mean, it's like it's like crazy. It's like just bizarre, you know, that that happens that often uh, to a team and, and cuts it to nine points. And so you win those games by double figures in the net – it actually matters, you know, getting a 10-plus point win. So, if it's, they might be five or six spots higher in the net just with those extra those non-baskets at, at, at the end of the game. You notice, though, that they didn't hold the ball and run out the clock like they did against Ohio State. Right. They, they did go. They missed the free throw, but at least they were, you know, they were like, no, nah, we're not going to let that happen again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um any thoughts, uh, you know, I know that you uh, obviously you haven't had a chance to sit down and study it, but any thoughts going into that Northwestern game that, that hits you for for fans as, as they uh, continue their week here? Yeah, I, mean, I just think the big thing is you got to, you have to, Northwestern plays really good defense. They're going to uh, give Illinois some shots. Uh, they overhelp. I really think that guys like Melendez and Goody are going to get open looks in this game because uh, the way they defend. Minnesota doesn't help. They don't give up a lot of those looks. It's off, it's off the dribble threes. You saw that Minnesota wants to make you like uh, play one-on-one, and they, they do a pretty good job of it. Illinois only had eight assists tonight. But Northwestern is going to be different. They're both going to move. You're going to have an opportunity to make open shots and against that defense. You just got to do it. Now, the other side of it is Illinois can't foul 
and put them on the line 40 times. And, and yeah, I mean, some of that's officiating, but it, that was the key the first time. The difference in the game where all the free throws, and I know the game ended up being like more, but I thought Illinois, without the fouls, that some of those, some were questionable. But I thought without the fouls, Illinois was in a pretty good position to win that game on the road early in the second half before the, the fouls just mounted up and they couldn't overcome it. Because that's the one thing, they don't have a ton of depth. So I, I think it's keep, keep Audesian Bowie in front of you. Um, you know, contest the threes, you got to rebound. And you got to take advantage. I do, the one thing about Northwestern is they play, they play hard all the time. They're going to guard. So if you don't match their intensity, you're, you're in trouble. And so hopefully the home court energy and you know, a chance to get a little revenge on them will, uh, will allow Illinois to, to pull that one out. Yeah, total, totally agree there. Are they susceptible? Could we see the press every once in a while because, because Northwestern's a little bit thin in terms of the bench? You know, I, I, I'm not, I mean, I think you could, but the problem is I'm not sure how, how, just, you know, Northwestern may be thin, Illinois is pretty, pretty thin as well. Um, yeah. Don't have that many guys. And they don't have guys, like, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, nothing, I love some potential, but right now he's, he's almost, he's very difficult to put on the floor. That's all I'm going to say. It's, it's hard to put him on the floor on, on either end right now. He's struggling on defense with the, because they call a lot of fouls. They weren't calling early in the season on him now. They're looking for it. And offensively, he just, he's just going way too fast, a little bit out of control. And, and you know, other than you know, for a minute or two, it's hard to get him on there long term. And, you know, we see Rogers seems to get in foul trouble a lot. You know, Goody isn't a guy you'd want in there if you're going to press full court. So, again, now you're back to a limited, you know, kind of a limited depth um, out there from an athletic standpoint. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Chad, did you have any last-minute thoughts here as we wrap up? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think Northwestern's a tough team. Um, I think that they are better than what people realize. And like I told you you know, earlier, you can't make lazy passes against them. It's not going to work. You flow passes, they're going to deflect them, and they are going to play hard for 40 minutes because, I mean, they have a lot on the table. I mean, there's a lot for them. They're, they're ranked. They have, I mean, they, they have a chance to finish first or second in the Big Ten, and they don't see Illinois as, as, as being, you know, what they have been the last three or four years. The one advantage I think they have is, is, is being at home. But this is a game to me that all the little things that we talked about earlier, you can't have 15, 16, 17 turnovers. You get to the free throw line, it would be nice to shoot 75 to 80% from the free throw line. You want to out-rebound them. And you want to make open shots. And I'm going to say this moving forward. I mean, I thought about this a lot today. I mean, not to overlook Northwestern the rest of the, and, you know, the rest of the season. But Matthew Meyer, to me, is Illinois' X factor. He's the guy that Illinois has not had on the roster since Brad Illinois has been there. He's the guy that won a national title. He's been on a, a win, in, a win, in a winning program. He's a guy that can just get you going in a tournament and I, you know, because like Brad said, they have three guys that can score him, Terrence Shannon, and Jay Neff. Matthew Meyer can get on the heater. Even if he's not making threes, he is good enough to get to that post now and, just, and, and get and shoot over the top of people to where he, I think he can help them win some tournaments, win some games in the tournament. And I think the way he's playing as of late, 
I think Northwestern has a tough matchup for him, especially if he can shoot over the top and he gets a couple to go down early. He's a tough matchup problem. I want to see him get going. So, Brad, we'll give you the final word then tonight. Yeah, I mean, Illinois needs to win the next three. I mean, they, they really do, and I feel like they win the next three and they're in a really good position heading into Purdue um, at the end of the season. But, you know, you got to take it one game at a time. You know, that's the old, that's the old cliche, right? Um, take it one game at a time and so forth and so on. So they just need to do that. Um, take care of business in the next three games. They're going to be favored in each one of those three games. So I think that does help. And, um, you know, so I think that's uh, that's a good – they're in a good situation even though maybe they haven't played as well. And, Ken, you may, I got to call, call back to Ken mentioned senior day for Purdue. The great part about that is Purdue doesn't have any seniors. They got one guy, David Jenkins. Ten's tough. Uh, it may not be have a super team at the top, but you know, aside from Minnesota, uh, I think all the teams have their moments. And even Ohio State has a has a ton of talent. I'm not certain what the coach is doing with them, um, but you know, yeah, well, exactly. And but you do have to play well to get a W in the Big Ten. I mean, and I think. Again, while the top teams may not be as good as years in the past, I'm not certain the league has ever went as deep, you know, down to 14, you know, down to or down to 13 or three, let's just say 12, as it's been this year. I mean, you know, you got to bring it or you're going to end up with a, with a loss. Yeah, you, you look down there, you know, the 11th place team basically is Penn State who beat Illinois twice. Yeah. And, and so you've got Penn State, you got Nebraska, who is, although Illinois had good success against them, they went and won at Rutgers. And they've won, what have they won, like three or four, four or six, something like that. So they, they're doing well. Nebraska's playing well. Um, they're obviously tough out. Penn State can, you know, has one of the best players in the conference, and Jalen Pickett. You, know, you got, those are the, those are like teams in 10th, 11th, and 12th down there. Wisconsin as well is a team down there in that, in that mix. So, yeah, it's a it's a team that has some it's a league that has some depth. I'm not sure those are NCAA tournament teams, man. They're, they're teams that can beat you. Yes, exactly. So uh, did Nebraska beat Creighton earlier in the year too? Yeah. All right. And now we've got yep. Creighton as like a uh, what they're like a three seed or four seed or something like that. So yeah, that that's that's a pretty good team. Yeah, like I said, it, there's just a lack of of, as Dick Vitale used to say, cupcakes um, in the league right now. And it makes it, um, 
makes it very challenging, you know, even for a team like Illinois that's growing so much, um, you know, they got to, they got to keep, keep their focus because as soon as you take a team lightly, you end up walking off the court saying, we just lost to Penn state again, you know, so. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time tonight. And we are going to head into a brief commercial break here. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and is much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships. Build community. And build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. So thanks for listening. And of course, if you enjoy Eye on the Illini, I think you'll love the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. That's the only statewide syndicated radio show that covers Illinois sports. It's once a week on Fridays or Saturdays. It's a two-hour show, and it's on from Chicago to St. Louis and all parts in between. If you go to IlliniGuys.com, hit the radio button, you'll see a list of stations. Find the one closest to you. Find out what day and time. The show is on and go ahead and tune in and listen. We'd really appreciate it. If you can drop an email or give a phone call to your local station and thank them for uh, having the Illini guys on, it would be huge for us. And of course, we'll see you here again on uh, Thursday after the Northwestern game. It's one that gives a lot of Illini fans a little bit of queasy feelings. Northwestern's second in the league. The ball team does not turn over the basketball. They play tough defense. It promises to be a close nip and tuck game for the Illini. And we found out up in Evanston that the Illini cannot foul. So Illinois will have to play good defense and it will probably go down to the final minute, folks. Should be an excellent game. So listen for our recap here uh, Thursday night or Friday morning on your drive to work as we will get it recorded and waiting for you. With that, uh, thanks to Kedrick Prince, Director of Recruiting for Illini Guys, and my fellow uh, Illini guy, Brad Sturdy. This is Mike Kegley saying, go Illini.